Go, therefore, 
the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they had found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed the man who was not wearing a wedding robe. Then he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, just to remind you, in verse 1, it clarifies that this is a parable of Jesus. This is not a literal story. It is it is um, a parable. And does anybody remember what a parable is? Yes, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So in this parable, Jesus speaks about man who is not wearing a wedding robe. And with that fact, or with the fact that it is a parable in mind, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, the question we are going to ask today is, what are you wearing? But before we get to answering that question, I do feel like it's important to look at the earlier parts of, of the parable and explain it a little bit. So, there is an element of irony when Jesus is speaking, because he's speaking to Jewish people, people who are known to be God's chosen people. And he's talking about the fact that the Father of the room has invited all of these people, and he sends out his his servants to go and gather up the people who are invited. This is obviously the Jewish people, and they know this. But then Jesus throws them for a loop and tells them that the people who are invited didn't come. And not only did they come, but they made light of, of the servants coming and telling them that the wedding needs to be ready. Or they abused the servants, or they flat out killed the servants. These people were known to be God's chosen people. The Jews were known to be God's chosen people. And Jesus is telling them that they killed God's servants. Which is exactly true. Um, God sent his servants. God sent the prophets in the Old Testament. He, and, and they were mistreated or ignored or or murder. Are you aware of this fact? I mean, Isaiah, one of one of major prophets, he was sought in two by God's chosen people. Jeremiah was stoned to death by God's chosen people. Ezekiel, by God's chosen people, was executed. They had rejected the servants of God, telling them that the kingdom of heaven is here. It's time. 
rejected it. So Israel, so Jesus telling Israel this, Jesus telling the Jewish people this, he's telling them, you guys killed the prophets. So now, you're going to face the consequences. They already dealt with multiple exiles. They, they dealt with conquering after conquering after conquering. And, and now, not only have they been punished, but they're going to watch as the father of the groom goes out and invites anyone else who would come. So the slaves went out into the streets and gathered all who they found, both good and bad. It's far too often a tendency to place a limit upon God's grace. The Jews probably would have been totally okay with God sending the invitation to the good people. You know, the good Gentiles who, you know, at least obey the law, right? The good Gentiles who, who treated their parents with respect. The good Gentiles who still tithed at the, at the temple. They could, they could probably see past the fact that they were Gentiles, as long as they fit into their perception of what was good. But the servants of God went out and invited all who would come, all who they have found good and bad. That means that the invitation was extended to the liars and to the cheaters and to the abusers, and to the, the thieves, and to the users. God's grace was extended to them. God's invitation to his kingdom was extended to those people. And think about it. It's not just the Jews who are selective in how they want and who they want God's grace to fall on. I can guarantee you that every single one of you in this room can think about at least one person who is beyond the grace of God as far as you're concerned. In fact, I can almost guarantee you that you guys have a handful, at least, of somebody who is too far gone, whether it be somebody you know personally or somebody who you don't know, maybe saw the news. Or a group of people who was just too in. We draw the line of where God, of where we think God, God's invitation stops. We look at we look at this line that we've drawn in the sand, and we say that voice can extend up to this, but that person's on past it. And then we 
on God's grace. And we do this both consciously and subconsciously. How many of us have, have stopped ourselves from witnessing to another person because we think that they are just too far gone? That whatever it's that Jesus, God's grace can't reach them, they can't change, they'll never change. We do that. But I didn't tell you. Over 
in the groom's father's wealth. There wasn't going to be people who were looking down on the poor who were invited and thinking, oh, you know, there. They just got invited for charity reasons. And there wasn't going to be poor people who were feeling intimidated by the wealthy. Instead, they were all able to celebrate and focus purely on the happiness of the wedding party. Because that was the, fo that was the focus of the wedding, right? You don't go to show off. You don't go to feel inferior. You go because you want to celebrate with the bride and the groom, right? That much is the same. Or at least, at least for me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe some of you like to say this. But when you're standing away, it's not about you. It's about the bride and the groom. So the road takes away the status of each person and says, hey, for today, you're all equal. Because we're going to focus on the happiness of this couple right here. But the fact that the man had guarded himself in something other than the wedding robe, that was, a, that was an act of complete disrespect to the groom's family. He was either saying, you invited the wrong person and you just got to accept me as I am. Or he was saying, your wedding clothes aren't good enough for me. And I'm going to show off my, my fancy clothes. Because if you notice, it doesn't say in the scriptures that he was in rats. It just says that he wasn't wearing the wedding clothes. So it could either be that he was just like, you know, I got invited as I am, so I may as well just stay as I am. Or he was thinking, I didn't, I, I, I dressed myself today, and I'm proud of how dressed. Regardless of what their clothing was about. They refused to wear the garments that were given by the groom's father because they believed that their own attire, whether rags or riches, was good enough for the wedding. So what does this mean for us? It's an earthly story, but it's got a heavenly meaning, and it's applicable to right now. So what does that mean for us? When we accepted the invitation, when we accepted the gift of God's grace and forgiveness, we not only gained forgiveness, we were also given proper attire. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 48, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oh, that's a, that's a hard one to swallow, right? God made perfection, right? It's supposed to be right here. But we just understand that verse a little bit. Because we think 
but perfection is we think of, you know, everything's perfect. There's nothing wrong, there's no mistakes, nothing like that. But Jesus wasn't meaning perfection in this in our sense of the word, in our understanding of the word. We are, after all, wild people. We're prone to making mistakes. Anyone who says that you're perfect in the sense that you don't make any mistakes, I'm going to be calling you out on But when Jesus commanded us to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, he was telling us that we need to be perfect reflections of our perfect Heavenly Father. That's slightly different. Think about God's character. Think about who God is. He's love, he's holy, he's truth, he's, he's just, he's kind, he's good. That's the God that answers. That is the attire that we are supposed to put on. But far too many of us think to ourselves that this is good enough. I've entered into the kingdom of God. I've accepted the invitation. I came to the altar. I prayed for forgiveness. And I'm good to go. God's forgiven me. But who I am is who I am. I don't need to change as long as I am honest about who I am. As long as I'm transparent. As long as I am open about the fact that I am a sinner. Oh, I can go out and drink and party and smoke all night and be like, yeah, that's okay because as long as I am honest, I'm good. I can have multiple affairs. I can be Abusive. I can be hateful. I can be overly critical of people. But as long as I am honest about that's just who I am, I'm good. I don't need to change. So I'm just going to stick with what I'm wearing right now. Far too many of us would rather stay in our stinky, smelly, sinful rags than allow God to clothe us in true righteousness. His perfect love, His perfect grace, His perfect truth. We think that God doesn't really require us to be holy as He is holy as long as we are honest in our faith. But if we insist on living like that, we are really missing out on the invitation, or, or what that invitation to that wedding really means. But there's another group. And they think that although God has provided us with proper attire, we would rather make and provide our own. We think that if we do this or stop doing that, we will attain righteousness apart from the clothing that God has already provided. I don't drink, so I'm good. I'm holy. I don't smoke, so I'm good. I'm holy. We bear, we wear these things of what we do and don't do as though they are bodies of honor. We 
people who refuse to obey the rules of the bride and groom are going to get asked. For many are called, but few are chosen. All are invited. Everyone's invited, and God has provided the attire. But you gotta put it on before you're chosen. Yeah, you were invited. And you might have accepted that invitation. But if you're unwilling to guard yourself in the righteousness of God, you're not dressed for the wedding.
and a lot of eyes closed closing the doors. And maybe you're not willing to accept the invitation at all yet. Maybe you didn't know that forgiveness and grace were waiting for you. If that is you, I invite you to come up to the altar. Come up and accept that forgiveness and invite God in to transform your heart and your mind.